0: Can we put the high-vis jacket over the mic to make it less visible?
1: No, that would make it more
0: visible. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point of it, Dad.
1: But you won't be able to see the microphone if you have to see where it is very much. Extremely ominously, it does feel a little bit like you're about to give me a rectal exam. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, it's the snap at the end. It's not just ooh,
0: gross. It's not just the process of putting on the gloves, which is unnerving enough. No, but you know what's the best part? Is taking off the glove and you pull off each of the fingers individually.
1: Oh, man, I actually hate what you're doing to me. Right <laughs> it's now. ideal. You are blessed that you can't see this. <laughs> Can I just say? it's actually awful see there goes my plan of beginning with my very very good joke about how my face is so smooth now
0: because they can't see your face because they can't see my face see I forgot I'd... well they're going to just have to take over why
1: do they even bother I never moisturise ever and the one time I do no one's going to see my freaking face so I can see your face oh and kiss <laughs> Anyway, hello everyone. Welcome to DM Me, a D&D discussion podcast by me, Zav. And me, Dan. Nice. We, d- we did the intro. That's very good. Cool. We think the format of this is basically going to be... We have a discussion topic, one sort of big one. For I was about to say the week. This is not going to be. Weekly. <laughs> it's not going to be weekly. It's going to happen when it happens. But for the session for, for the, podcast, the session, for the podcast, for the, for the episode of the yeah. podcast, there's going to be um, one main discussion topic that we're going to talk about. Hopefully, and that topic length.
0: is D and D. That's just covered. Broadly. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's broad. Yeah, that's a yeah. It'd be a bit shit if episode two, we'd, exha- we'd exhausted the entirety of the hobby. Yeah, but we could move on to Ludo. We could move on to Ludo.
0: Man, I haven't played that game in so long. That's a long.
1: fantastic game. But yeah, we're going to talk about one extended topic for most of this episode, and then at the end, we're going to um, sort of quickfire answer a few questions that have been sent to us by a couple of friends. But hopefully... In later episodes, we'll have some audience questions, I suppose, to answer.
0: If anyone wants to listen in. If everyone wants to listen in. All three of you. (laughs) Ah, yes, this question comes from my mum. It's, (laughs) why am I late for dinner? (laughs) Oh, good.
1: Um, Okay, so, the topic of discussion, I suppose, is how you make an interesting character in D&D 5th edition. Because... We don't want to go through the process of making a character.
0: But we want to do something, I suppose, sort of for uh, beginners. Yeah, because you can find... YouTube's a good place to look up making a character. There are
1: painful numbers of um, tutorials on everything, but especially on how to make dating characters. Yeah. You type in, um, you like, you know, the obvious things on YouTube, and like, you know, you'll have eight or nine tutorials, and you just pick whichever one you want. But... The kind of games we play, we're big into um, sort of RP, role-playing and storytelling, aren't we? Um, Lots of combat, obviously, but by and large, what I enjoy most about the game as a sort of mainly DM occasional player is sort of bringing, I don't know... Your world to life. Bringing characters to life, exactly, so um, I find that to be the most enjoyable thing, and we're playing a... Curse of Strahd game at the moment indeed Um, which I don't know if it's meant to be combat heavy like it's definitely a fairly deadly uh, module like all of the encounters are balanced fairly heavily against the players but I think I've just been rolling really badly on the um, on the random encounters table because there really hasn't been that much combat but the sort of set piece encounters have been a lot of fun
0: yeah they have Um, but how many set piece encounters have we had uh, two two two
1: yeah, and in <clears throat> five sessions, five sessions of four hours, um, like plus. yes. Um, so that really, really is not. Obviously, there've been a few random encounters. Um, yeah, but, but um, I
0: mean, I think to be fair, role playing is always. Uh, it's the main part of the game, really. Can't exactly be your counter in Ludo. I mean, I are we allowed to say Ludo? Should. Do we have to pay royalties to that? Oh, shit. Get Ludo on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Who makes Ludo? Quick.
1: Okay, well, it was invented by the Mughal emperors of India. That's all I know. All right, well, I'll get the Indian ambassador on the phone. Fantastic. I'm sorry, India.
0: We keep talking about your game. Your left arm's glowing.
1: Yeah, a little bit. We've got the stickiest table in the world. So we've put... So Dan has put down... um, (laughs) A high-vis vest, <coughs> so my very sticky arms don't stick to the very sticky table. Oh, there's Dan's hand, doing a little demonstration for you, I hope that's good in your earphones. Mmm. Uh, why do you think,
0: why are you saying earphones, i say they're not gathered around a speaker. Just ah, Just yes. multitudes of, of followers. Yeah, like a campfire.
1: We really should talk about the <laughs> idea of it, shouldn't we? <laughs> we've sort of missed the point a little bit um but yeah i suppose what makes making interesting characters so important i think is that obviously previous editions have been much more sort of combat heavy fourth edition in particular was all about sort of dungeon crawling cutting your way through massive amounts of enemies like sort of prior editions in between first and fourth there have been sort of some more story kind of things but never before has it been so easy like 5e is so incredibly streamlined it makes it so easy to tell sort of these extensive stories and um yeah fifth edition in particular i feel compared to previous editions is more about telling a story than any edition has been before good stories happen when interesting people are plopped in interesting situations and obviously it's a dm's
0: job to create interesting situations but it's down to the players it, to create the interesting players.
1: Ex- the interesting characters, exactly. So without the interesting characters, the game is boring. Yeah. Do we want to do this in a sort of
0: form of a set of rules about sort of making interesting characters, or how should we do it? I mean, well, there's like definitely aspects that you need to cover. Yeah. As a player, so you've got mainly background, backstory <clears throat> Back is, is key. important, family often family is very is very good just ties
1: to the world in general like that's something that you want to talk to your dm about really i
0: think um i think consulting with a dm when you're making a character is a very good way to go about it because that way your dm's quite involved in your backstory they know where your character could fit in often they can provide like tips on
1: yeah or like suggestions definitely what i recommend doing is while while you're still in the sort of concept stage you're sitting there with like okay i'm going to play a goblin wizard who's a shaman i don't know like that's like that that's how early on you want to be talking to your dm about like okay so are there any sort of populations of goblins obviously it's unusual for a goblin to be a wizard how did that how did deciding to become sort of an arcanist affect that character's relationship with all the people around him him or her with their with their own people but also with all the people they encountered where are they from
0: like what did they do before this was their calling yeah all those things working backwards from like where your character is now Mm. is often a good way to go about doing things definitely definitely but also um
1: working backwards but thinking forwards because i know that a mistake that lots of people make is they write this backstory where it's like, "Oh, I'm this legendary swashbuckler. Like, I'm I'm the best pirate on the seven seas. I haven't really seas there on the Forgotten Realms or whatever." Um, and it's like, okay, but at level one, you could feasibly be shot dead by a goblin in one shot. Like, one shot is all it could take to absolutely end this person's life. So, actually, no, you're not a legendary swashbuckler at level one. As much as that might be a bit of a killjoy. Um, but the, the, the thing you do there is you don't go, oh, forget that. You think, okay, no, my character's aim, he's heard about all these sort of legendary pirates or whatever, my character's aim is to look into the future and think, one day I'm going to be a legendary swashbuckler. Just like in real life, if you want to be a legend, you earn it, you work you work for it, you, you get your band of adventurers together and you go and try and make this name for yourself that you've sort of created. And that sort of takes me on to another point, which is that characters can be interesting without being ultra-powerful. And actually, I think characters are quite often more interesting if they're weak in one or more areas.
0: Yeah, book as well, if you have weak characters, they do have to find an interesting way of getting around mm. a problem. Yeah. They can't go through the straightforward way of, oh yeah, I'm going to punch this door. Yeah. Got to work around it.
1: Yeah, I did promise Dan beforehand that we wouldn't talk about Critical Role too much, but who is the most memorable character from season one of Critical Role? Grog. Grog. What's his intelligence? Like six. six I think six. Who's maybe the second most memorable character? Scanlan, maybe. Scanlan maybe. or Percy Up there. Think. Scanlan's got a wisdom of seven and but the thing is what, what makes those characters so memorable is you like obviously you remember I would like to rage I would like to rage you know Grog properly going for it cleaving S- through Skandar wanting to shit everywhere exactly well but no but this is exactly the thing It's kind of wanting to shit everywhere it's like it's okay fine bit crude or whatever but Grog is remembered because he's an idiot. His social interactions with people <coughs> are what's remembered far above him cleaving through Kevdat, falling out of the sky. It's an amazing moment. But the thing that makes him really memorable is being an idiot. And why does Scanlan do things like not really give a shit about other people's feelings or you know, do craps in the street kind of thing, because he doesn't understand what other people are feeling which is what low wisdom is like he's unable to empathize with these people and that's what makes these characters so memorable obviously they've got their strengths with Scanlon being incredibly charismatic and Grog being incredibly strong but that's obviously in part what you remember but the thing the big moments that you really remember are them being idiots together and that's not involved in that's not combat at all that's completely outside it's all of the social interactions that make these characters so fantastic if you take
0: also staying on critical role but going to season two you take not is has a charisma of three i think (laughs) is it three it's 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 very low it's the fact that he sam regal if you do 4d6 and you drop your lowest you rolled four (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know yeah but yeah so a charisma of three but
1: it's still, five. I feel like it might be higher than It three. might have got but up, still, it definitely yeah. started at 3. Yeah.
0: But it's um, the fact that Sam Regal plays not so well in the, mm. her interactions with other people. I think there was a point at which she just, she rolled really low on persuasion. Yeah. And acted out as though she just tried to smile, but all you could see were these massive yeah. goblin teeth.
1: <laughs> yeah, and obviously there's, um, part of that is your DM's work to try and work out how you can flavour either a bad or a good role into how this social interaction is functioning Mm. um but also you can you can do a bit of that yourself sam regal again like an incredibly charismatic man playing a very not charismatic character he does a really fantastic job of coloring all the mistakes that his character makes in a really sort of funny interesting way and you can be a very entertaining at the point of the game is to have fun yeah i think that's
0: another important point about role playing is that you might want to do something that your character would do but you' the dice the dice rolls against you yeah. and you've just got to play along with that in character. Mm, like yeah sometimes a DM says what happens but if they don't and you know that you've rolled badly, yeah you can always offer your input and just say what happens instead
1: again like if you're afraid of having a sort of big weakness in your character sheet like relating again to role playing the things that you remember the most from your games obviously you remember the big fantastic i don't know world beating moments that your characters have where you defeat the bad guy or you manage to i don't know sneak your way into some impenetrable fortress but the things that you really remember are when you utterly and totally screw up that's those are the things that really stick with you and your friends when you're talking about it later on you think about a character who's very bad at something trying to do that thing and either they fluke it and it's a great moment because it's so unexpected or they completely screw up and it's hilarious
0: yeah it's it's never you know go away afterwards uh, you never you always i guess to some extent remember the moments where you did finish the bad guy off but More, more, more commonly remembered is, hey, do you remember that time you chopped off your own leg because you missed on an attack (laughs)
1: Yes, we do. Have a friend called Sam who is a who is, I think he'd admit he's more of a fan of playing sort of big, powerful characters than anything else. Yeah, He's he's playing a bard at the moment, but that's sort of slightly out of character for him. And he's still, you know, he's you know. I think he was a a Dragonborn Barbarian. He was a Dragonborn Barbarian in our first game with him ever. And I can't remember what level it was. It was level two or something, fairly low. The end of a brawl, he's on one health or something. (laughs) And he rolls the most unfortunate natural one in history and cleaves his own leg off. And that's just a fantastic... It was, it was like a level two one-shot, which has absolutely no right to be memorable or funny or anything like that. It was sort of meant to be um, Dan and I teaching a couple of our friends how to play the game. Yeah. And that, that, that was the player in question who cleaved his own leg off. The, like, that was his first game ever. And now he's been playing for over a year with us fairly, fairly regularly. (laughs) Like, you know, and, you know, you could view it as like, oh, well, actually, he had a fairly short fight. His character lasted half an hour. He ended quite dramatically and in a very, very stupid way. But that hooked him. It absolutely hooked him in a way that had no right to He now owns, what, 20 odd dice sets? 20 odd dice sets. (laughs) Everyone's a bit of a dice goblin in our group. Yeah. You're getting there.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm on my way. You're on your way. Something that I wrote here is there isn't really anything wrong with playing a cliché character, especially if it's your first character. I think lots of people perhaps feel the need to be like, oh, well, I can't, I can't be Gimli because Gimli exists. I don't want to be a gruff kind of fighter dwarf, but...
0: I think I definitely went the other direction when I was first starting out. And I was like, no, I want to be Legolas. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But with a hint of Ezio.
1: Yeah, that's fine. If you want to be Legolas, be Legolas. If you want to be Conan the Barbarian, then be Conan the Barbarian. I think
0: starting off, it's very... It's maybe makes slightly more sense to build on something you know. Mm. Rather than to try and build your own character from scratch. Definitely. it's, It's always easier to take elements from existing stories and mm. nothing is really new nowadays everything comes from somewhere
1: yeah I think definitely for brand new players playing as a trope or a cliche it can be massively helpful and can ease you into role play in a way that playing a wholly new and completely unique character doesn't because I mean the kind of people who play d usually you know they're, they are they do tend to be big Tolkien fans or like, you know, big, fairly big Harry Potter fans nowadays, that's sort of probably more... Um, um, what's the, the word? More fantasy. Yeah, that's sort of the, the fantasy staple nowadays, yeah. I suppose. But, you know, so lots of players model their their wizard after, a, after Dumbledore. I don't know, they model their barbarian after Gimli, or their fighter after Gimli, or...
0: their ranger after Legolas or
1: Aragorn their ranger after Legolas or Aragorn but that's fine because it's a big help to have seen whatever it is, six or seven hours of these characters acting the way they do on screen, so you don't need to invent this complete personality you can sort of sit there and think actually, what would Aragorn do in this situation, you know how would he react Uh, like if you're playing a sort of Aragorn analogue then you can do that, you can react in the same way that they would the point with that is not to make a completely interesting and memorable character of your own it's to get yourself into the habit of role playing and in the end you won't be the same as aragorn you will introduce your own sort of quirks your own tics your own sort of interesting aspects and that's what will make that character memorable but that comes from that from shifting from that place of safety to you know becoming confident
0: yeah. There's also nothing wrong with breaking the trope completely. Mm. Like, having a rogue that isn't edgy. Yeah. Having a bard that doesn't want to have sex with everything in a five-mile radius. Yeah. Often those are those are also interesting characters to play. Because mm. yeah. how does a rogue go about, well, not being edgy per, per se, but where does he come from? Yeah, definitely. I I think tried to do this in a one-shot that
1: we did recently, where I sort of played... A sort of once rogue like he's sort of an, an, yeah. old, an old retired dwarf who was once a sort of fairly talented rogue but it's been a while kind <laughs> of thing and he's, and he's sort of retired he's got his own bar but then he's sort of kidnapped and called into action again and that was a great amount of fun to play it was completely it was sort of like different to any other rogue that i've played at least yeah and to most rogues that I've seen played. But also, you're the sort of rogue expert. This is true. I do like a good bit of sneaker
0: (laughs) tape. Rolling however many dice. (laughs) How many D6s. If you can, try and use at least one from every player on the table.
1: At least one from, yeah. That's when you know you've won, when Mm. you've taken a D6 from everyone. But, um, you know, I think you've done a good job of producing... Interesting rogues. Yeah, I think
0: I've definitely put more effort into my latest character than my first character, mm. for example. Yeah.
1: But um, it's interesting because your first character was sort of a bit of a rogue trope, a little bit, yeah. because it was you know a sort of like a practice yeah. character kind of thing, like in a, like one of the Assassin's Creed characters. Exactly, exactly. But interestingly, your newest character, which is probably one of your most interesting characters. Is sort of a revival of your first character, yes, it? he
0: is. I did, I, yeah, I kind of went from the same. I actually took the original character sheet mm. and took, I think, at least the dexterity and strength stats. Mm. I don't know if any of the other ones came, and up. definitely a little bit of personality yeah. coming through yes, as well. Yeah,
1: Um, could, do you have any thoughts on how you turned a sort of a sort of fake, fairly cliche kind of rogue archetype into a sort of more interesting obviously if you're a member of our D&D, D&D group and you're listening um, we're going to do our best <laughs> not to spoil any backstory yeah. but um, do you have any like without oh, giving too to, much away I've got to get out my backstory to see what's okay, cool. Now. so we've both got your new newer character sheet up now
0: yeah um, so, um, what are your thoughts I mean, he's de- I've definitely put a lot more into the kind of youth stages of the character to kind of get him where he got to Yeah. by the time of the start of Curse of Strahd. And also putting a lot of work on the, I'd say a lot of work, some work on the parents yeah. and like how their relationship with him has affected him.
1: Yeah. Um, Which is great because you sort of had an element of that with your first character, didn't you? Yeah. Um, but now you've sort of properly fleshed out who's my dad, who's my mum, what was their relationship like, how did that affect me? Exactly. And actually there's, like, I don't think this is a spoiler, I think we touched on this in the first um, session, but your character's an elf. Oh yeah, elf, but with the ears. But with rounded ears, yeah. because um, you, was it? you lived in a sort of human settlement. Was, yeah. it,
0: was it sort of a bullying it thing? It was a bullying thing, yeah. That's yeah. what um, prompted to
1: see it doesn't have to be complicated that's not a complicated thing but it is very interesting an elf who lived in a predominantly human area and was so ashamed or so bullied for looking the way that they did that they physically changed their appearance to deal with it Um, and also you've got to think about why your characters become the class they did didn't they don't you which is sort of like okay, okay. With things like a paladin, it's fairly easy. You know, you were a bit of a fighter beforehand, but now yeah. with a bit of divine intervention, you've been tasked with defeating your god's enemies, or yeah, with something like a wizard, you're a fairly fairly intelligent person who showed a bit, of, a few sort of,
0: you had a bit of a gift for the arcane. Yeah. And you sort of started going into that. Then but, there's the clerics who are typically healers, but mm. You also get some who are strong fighters mm. yeah um, well cl- yeah clerics are perhaps the most versatile class in the yeah. whole
1: game because you can either
0: be a, f- a front-up fighter yeah providing some support or you can be a main support whilst providing some backup long-range healer or yeah. you
1: can like do the sort of like trickery domain kind of cleric, yeah. where you're a bit of a sort of prankster that's your whole thing um, but yeah, but with things like rogues, I know there's the, it's a bit of a trope to be a sort of social outcast, but it makes an enormous amount of sense, especially for your character. It makes yeah. a massive amount of sense to why, obviously we're not going to deep, uh, we're not going to
0: delve too deep into it, but, um, because the people who are playing the campaign are probably the only people listening. Exactly. <laughs> Hi, all three of you. We love you. We love you. <laughs>
1: but, um, that is, it, it's interesting. It's interesting why, how your character came to be, where he came from, and where he's going. Yeah, which I think is what it boils down to, really, isn't it? It's like the future is uncertain. The future but... is uncertain, um, but a good, I think, a good character has an aim. Yeah, definitely. Um, and whether or not that ties directly into the main plot of the, st- of the story, it's, a, it's one. It's, um, it sort of doesn't matter either way. Because, But yeah. DMs who are listening, definitely always try and get your character's backstory into the game as much as possible. I find it a little bit difficult with running a module because the first module I've ever run in my life, um, and I've always done Homebrew before this, so it's, it's always been fairly easy to yeah. slot character backstory into the game because, you know, I invented everything yeah, exactly. that goes on. But there's around.
0: also um, a bit of the start of Curse of Strahd where a harper came and gave me a silver yeah. because Yes, yeah, because you sort of
1: were a member of the harpers. That was your thing. Yes. And there are several possible openings to the campaign of the Curse of Strahd. And I sort of, like, you're meant to sort of pick one, but I picked, I think, two and a half of them <laughs> and sort of tried to sort of... Um, gel them together because it because each individual section allowed one of the characters, one of the players to sort of become more involved in the world um, and yeah, it just even from the very beginning of that session, it's easier when you're sort of not yet in Barovia and, yeah. the, and you're still sort of attached to the rest of the world it's a bit difficult when you're in a little pocket dimension, you don't have any access to anyone else, but you know,
0: I'm <laughs> I'm working on that I've got a few <laughs> ideas but yeah no even characters aims changes as the mm, yeah. as the campaign progresses yeah like you might be along a path in a certain way and then you realise that that path you've been following is wrong yeah definitely or Just maybe you're unable to do something and that pushes you to become better and maybe search for other ways to overcome that issue yeah
1: Yeah, definitely. The next thing that I was going to sort of mention was I think a key thing to do is to make a character who's different to you as a person, as a player. Um, And I know that may, it might seem counterintuitive, but I think that makes a character much easier to inhabit, like, as a, as a, when you're sort of acting it, because.
0: Uh, I'm trying to think of an example. My character is cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> which is very different to Dan in real life. But, um, but I don't know, but there's also, I think, there's an element of, like, desire. Like, okay, like, like the Assassin's Creed characters were really cool, and people like Ezio in particular, they're, you know, they're sort of suave, they're yeah. skilled, they're it's charismatic.
0: Your, your character tends to be everything you want to be. Exactly, exactly. But I think
1: in some cases that's a bit of a risk yeah. because you end up you end up being either too much like yourself or because your character exists to be a sort of better version of you, you feel the need to really ramp it up and, I don't know, maybe not attention seek, but really kind of I don't know, this is the best version of me and I'm going to like go for it yeah. kind of thing which is why, again, back to Critical Role we really shouldn't be talking about it so much but... Um, I'm not only one said (laughs) we should. I'm breaking it. But why I think in season two, Caduceus is a much better character than Molly. I think Molly's a very interesting character, but Caduceus I think is absolutely fantastic. And I think it's because Taliesin is very good at making characters. He's very good at making characters.
0: Taliesin has come up with his characters purely to try and make a name that is less weird than his... I'm not saying that Taliesin's name is weird. Taliesin's name is cool. Taliesin Axelrod Jaffe. Um, What a cool guy.
1: Yeah, he has yet to create a character with a less bizarre name than his, but he's trying. But I think Molly is a sort of attempt to... Because he wants to be a bit of a peacock, doesn't he, Talison? Like, he's a a cool guy, but he wants to be the sort of, like, I don't know, suave, centre of attention kind of, like, proper... Um well, peacock, yeah, is the word I'm looking for. Like even his the character's sort of like very he's a sort of he's a purple purple yeah. tiefling, very attention seeking, red eyes very attention seeking, brightly coloured cloak, tattoos everywhere, and he works in a circus. You know <laughs> what could be more sort of centre of attention than that? And I think, to an extent I obviously I don't know the man enormously well, but I got the impression when he was playing it that Molly was sort of an attempt to inhabit that sort of there was it was an attempt by a man who's not usually the center of attention in a group full of attention seekers because that's what you know actors are of a critical role in particular is full of like you know very flamboyant open people i think it's an attempt by a man who's usually sort of at the side to become the center of attention for once which is you know fine whatever but I think Caduceus is just a far better executed character because he doesn't seem to have an agenda. When, well, I mean, Taliesin doesn't seem to have an agenda when he's playing Caduceus. He plays he plays the character really, really genuinely. He does exactly what the character would and should do. He comes out with some absolute pearls of wisdom from oh, man, he's playing a character.
0: Yeah, yeah, but he's got high wisdom, just low intelligence.
1: Yeah, yeah. He comes out with some absolute... Gems um, and Molly did to an extent as well, but it felt like Molly was really trying, whereas Caduceus is just sort of saying things, and they just so happened. To I be. think
0: Caduceus is more effortless than Molly, but that's because yeah. Caduceus is is inherently just a laid back guy. Yeah, that is true. Also, Tallisson, we love you. We don't hate you. please We love. No,
1: us. really, the whole cast of Critical Role is phenomenal. Yeah, um, but that was just an example there because I think that. Uh, Talison probably is the best at making characters out of the whole cast, and I think that's why I sort of brought him up because. Well, yeah, he's
0: had to make three, all the ones only made had to make two. <laughs>
1: this is true, but um, uh, Dan did just dab, so I just, you know, sing as you couldn't see. Um, Didn't break but, a glass though. <laughs> but I just thought for a man who is so good at making characters, that was the one thing that st- stuck out to me, and I was sort of. As a link to the point we were making, I think that's sort of when slightly weaker characters come about and you feel the need to sort of become
0: someone that you're, that you, become the person that you really want to be. Yeah. Well, he, he works quite closely with Matt when developing his characters. Yeah. Like, especially the, the Gonslinger archetype, which was, it was a Pathfinder a... thing, yes, but they... didn't exist in 5th edition. And yeah. so I believe he works with Matt to get it. Yeah, but and
1: no, but the thing is, and also the Blood Hunter exactly um, is a class that Matt Mercer invented. So Taliesin, like he, unlike lots of other players who, I think, you know, they flick through source books or whatever, uh, you know, whether that's the player's handbook or the DM's guide or Volos or whatever you to try and find a sort of interesting class, race, combination, or whatever. You know, they, they, they go to the source books and they think, oh, this would be an interesting combination. Um, I think the most interesting characters come from a player who doesn't look at the source books. They go up to their DM and they go, how could I do this? You know, do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, no, I definitely get <laughs> um, it. Yeah. And uh, they, perhaps they pick a race and a class that's in source books, for example, Furbolg, Grave Cleric, you know, those are in books, but, sometimes it's, but sometimes it's, you know, something you have to do, sometimes you have, sometimes you have to make it yourself, and you know, for some DMs, that's not possible, I know that, you know, I don't have a massive amount of time on my hands, but I, I, you know, but if a player came up to me and was like, you know what, I really want to do this idea, um, you know, it, I'm perfectly happy to try yeah, and make a like
0: subclass. recently we were talking about... Well, it was recently, like a year ago. Mm. I was talking about playing twins. Yeah. But only one of them could be a human at a time. Or... Yeah. The other one was always in animal form. Yeah.
1: And um, you end up being a sort of either ranger or druid yeah. uh, of some kind with um, an animal companion. But, it like, like the way... It, the way it manifests would effectively be someone with multiple personalities yeah. with a constantly changing um, you know companion and that's you know that's how mechanically it would work so it's perfectly possible. Um, it's a little bit left field but you know completely imperfectly possible and if that's what you want to play then there are definite ways of letting you play it. Shall we take a break? Yes fantastic. We will go and get a couple of drinks or something and we'll be back, be back in a minute. Well, Hello, we're back from our break. We've had a couple of drinks, and in fact, I've got another got another one here with me. Cracking open a cold I'm one cracking with open the cold boy. With the boy, singular. <laughs> Only one boy here, and it's Daniel. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Oh, nice. No, that's <laughs> that's good and original. <laughs> nice. Okay. Hilariously, we do have one fan email. <laughs> by our lovely friend Sam we've got three friends called Sam but one of our lovely friends called Sam who writes hi podcasters <laughs> I'm a huge fan of you and I super love d I've listened to all your episodes <laughs> oh, sorry just watching it peak on the screen we've got a quiet down of it. um He says, also says in brackets, and I'm not um, making this up. By the way, to answer the question everyone is asking, Zav is the hot one. (laughs) It's true. I have some questions
0: for you to answer. (laughs) I'm offended.
1: Look, I'm reading the email. Can you not interrupt the fan email?
0: I'm offended. I'm going to check the fan I honestly don't care.
1: I have some questions for you to answer on your show. Then there's a fantastic list of questions. At the bottom he says thanks in advance and there's too many exclamation marks. Um, and then four hearts, which is very sweet.
0: Maybe and he's putting the exclamation marks now so he doesn't have to put them in other emails. That's true, but all his other emails... It's very it, efficient.
1: It, I mean, it's slightly efficient, if but he also... If writes more emails. It's going to be... The rest of his email is going to be very badly punctuated and I can only assume there's going to be more. If we keep putting out content like this, we're going to be getting emails from everyone and their mother...
0: Not my mother.
1: Not your mother. She doesn't support this. No, no. Or you, really. No. No. But the first question that he's asked, um, he's asked a few. I don't even know if we're going to be able to get through all of them this episode. Um, But the first one was, what's the easiest class or easiest classes for complete newbies to the game to pick up?
0: Well, I mean, if you're a complete newbie, I'd recommend staying away from magic users. Yeah. Purely Particularly because, the wizard. Yes. Yeah. Purely because you have to concentrate on a lot of spells and you have to learn what different spells do, whether they're concentration, yeah. whether they require somatic components. Mm. <coughs> Whereas if you go with. New material components. Yes, components, sorry, yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. Well, you could go with a barbarian, a fighter, yeah. a rogue. I think
1: perhaps the single best class to start off with is a fighter. I think they are... Well, I mean, obviously there are various subclasses, very sort of, you know, there are various sub, uh, subclasses and archetypes that are a bit more difficult to run. Things like the superiority... Man, di- he actually did write this up as a <laughs> <one. laughs> um, Sorry, Dad's just checking his emails. Um, things like the superiority dice for... I can't remember the name of the fighter subclass. But I can't remember. But there are, yeah. uh, but there, are there are a couple, at least, of very streamlined... Fighter subclasses that are very easy to play, very easy to role play, and effective. Which is always nice because I think the thing that you really want to avoid as a brand new player is being just really shit. Because that's the worst thing that can happen as a brand new player. When everyone else is making these sort of clutch tactical plays because they know exactly what's going on and you're sitting there feeling a bit useless, fighters, their damage output is ridiculous. Like, yeah. um, they grow linearly as opposed to exponentially for things like Wizards. yeah. Um, but that's sort of fine, but at least it means that at low levels, which is where you're going to be starting as a new player anyway, you're going to be very effective in combat and have the capacity to be a really interesting character.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, what are the other ones? Barbarian and Rogue? Barbarian and Rogue are pretty good. Monk, monk can be a bit more to handle, because you have to focus on key points and mm, yeah. other things. But also,
1: like... Rogue, I think, is, is pretty good. It's pretty good for a new person, especially seeing as, um, just from a levelling up perspective, they're a really satisfying class to play because
0: you get a new ability or an ability score increase every or something. Level.
1: Every level.
0: Absolutely every level. Unfortunately, you only get an additional d6 of damage every two levels. Oh, what a disaster. It is. I cannot tell you um, the amount of time I've <laughs> picked up 40 d6 and I realise I only get 10.
1: <laughs> but, you know... Um, um, rogues are very satisfying to play, to level up as I mean, d- depending on what angle you're coming from, can be fairly easy to roleplay um, yeah, basically anything that's not a magic user, I think um, if you are, have absolutely have your heart set down on playing a magic user at a low level, which I think a lot of players do what do you think is the best class to choose?
0: that's a difficult one uh, personally, I don't play magic users yeah. because I haven't got the hang of them yet. Yeah, that's fine. But um, if you want, uh, if you want to be able to deal damage as a spellcaster, warlock. Warlock for, is a good option for the eldritch blast yeah. cantrip that is everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite. Well, it's the best damage dealing cantrip in the game. This is true, and especially with the
1: sort of whatever they're called, packed bonuses that you get yeah. um, very early on, your Eldritch Blast becomes ridiculous. You can push someone away with it, you can pull someone towards you with it, you can do like a ridiculous amount of damage, you can spell snipe from 120 mm-hmm. feet away like, if you want to. Like It's unbelievable. Um, very satisfying to play. Also yeah. very good
0: for role-playing opportunities. Um, well, um, cleric, I would say, is another useful one because... Mm-hmm not only if you're not so good on the magic stuff but you do want to have that option yeah you can always we were discussing earlier you can always be front up like a fighter yeah kind of because clerics are versatile clerics are very versatile
1: you could very easily have a party of only clerics and be very effective i think whereas that wouldn't work with any other class
0: i don't think um you know, Not you every have, class is what they get good at. But. Unless you have those rogues and you end up with 100 d6 of damage each d6 round. Of damage. You can't solve every problem with sneak attack, I Dad. fucking try. <laughs> um,
1: so, yeah, and, I, and another benefit for clerics is it's clerics and maybe druids as well. I don't know. But they are one of the very few classes, maybe the only class, that has access to their entire spell list. From early on, but sorcerers, you know, they have lots of spells on their spell list, but you can only learn a couple per level. Um, wizards, they learn their spells on a finding books and spell yeah. scroll basis. Um, warlocks, again, limited numbers of spells and limited numbers of spell, spell slots, slots. Actually, yeah.
0: but they do get their spells back after a short. But they do get spells back, which is uh, obviously a yeah.
1: massive bonus. But um, clerics, you just got access to your entire spell list, which is obviously fantastic. And you can change them each day. Yeah, so. yeah, of course. Um, that's sort of the staple for spellcasters. But with clerics, you just you're so versatile. You can do basically whatever you want. And again, you know, you can be up close and personal, or yeah. stand back. Um, it's completely up to you. Oof, that wasn't really a quick fire question. That's it. We totally <laughs> took a while to get through that one, but. Um, uh, next question was um, the best quest lines and other content to buy. Um, obviously, there's no obligation for you to spend any money on this hobby if you don't want to. You could sit with a sort of an illegal PDF that we do not condone. And we don't endorse it. We in don't any way. endorse or condone you getting a legal PDF. But if you go on, um, there are a couple of websites available. We won't mention any. We won't mention any unless they pay us. Click on the link in the description. (laughs) But there are websites where you can um, get the books for cheaper. Um, uh, The DMs Guild, I'm pretty sure you can buy PDFs of um, uh, the Player's Handbook and the DMs Guide and whatever uh, for various things. To be honest, you don't really need any of the books. I recommend at least borrowing and flicking through someone's player's handbook. Mm-hmm. I think that is a big help for someone who hasn't played before and just needs to understand the game. But as with loads of things, the best way to understand the game is by playing it. So just get someone who's fairly confident of playing the game yeah. and get them to yeah, if run a get session some, for you. If
0: you get someone who's fairly used to the game, mm. they'll almost definitely be able to lend you a copy.
1: Yeah, or just run you through it as you go. yeah. yeah. Definitely, but in terms of questlines and other content to buy, um, I am not the authority on this, because I don't really run modules. The Curse of Strahd is the first module... No, actually, it was the second module I've ever bought, first module I've ever run. The first module I bought was Deep Dragon Heist, which I read through, and that also seems fantastic, to be completely honest. It was a bit of a toss-up, whether we played that or Strahd, to be honest. Um, but... Yeah, uh, we picked we pick Strahd in the end, but it was sort of a bit of a toss-up. I think, um, I think for beginners, probably Dragon Heist is fantastic, but if you've got a sort of murder-herbo-y group, it's not really going to work yeah. um, because it's a very heavily RP-based adventure that takes place in the middle of a city. So um, if you're the kind of person who likes going around stabbing things, then you are going to get <laughs> chucked in prison. Like You just are. Um so I think that's probably fantastic, but obviously the best, best line for a beginner is in the starter set. The Lost Mine of Fandelva. I run that a couple of times with various smaller groups. Um, very good. A stupid name. Fandelva is a stupid <laughs> name, but
0: very well written, very simple adventure. Yeah next question is who can grow the better beard that's me Thank that's you not very a much. question that's, Dan. On, that's not a question it on is the on the list I really wish I could show you the list because it's not even on the list it is on the list
1: <laughs> okay Dan can grow a better beard but he doesn't <laughs> he grows a bad beard despite his natural ability to grow a beard
0: um, what can I say i on older than that one that more, um, <laughs> more. Um, okay next question
1: Dan how long do you should you spend on each
0: session do you reckon is this um, when you're playing yeah yeah, yeah. each playing session I well I feel a good a good amount of time to get a lot of content through is about three four hours Mm -hmm. you can definitely cover a lot of ground in in that time Yeah. But obviously it depends on what's happening at the time... Because sometimes your characters get very into the game... And you want to keep going... I, we've had sessions that have gone on for like 7-8 hours... Yeah, but those are, those are intense though... Yeah... But it's it does depend on how far in advance a DM can plan... Because there are limitations...
1: Or how good they are at improvising... That's also true... Yeah. Also, this is something that I've discovered fairly recently... But it also changes depending on genre, really. Because I think homebrew games, we really manage to blitz through tons of content because they're not as mentally exhausting as a horror game. They really aren't. This is true. The Curse of Strahd, I've never experienced it before, but like running it for a while, and even I think it's been sort of the case for um, you and the other players, um, it's a bit exhausting. Like it's Because there are some pretty awful things happening it. At- Happen in it. Yeah. Um. It's, it's The RP is quite intense. It's quite involved. Um. And the fights. I don't think like you've had maybe one fight so far that hasn't we...
0: nearly killed you. Yeah, but that's only because we chose to leave the fight. We didn't. Yeah, and
1: you, and yeah. You, the, the only reason you didn't. There wasn't a TPK in one of the fights
0: is because you ran. Yeah. We. Um. I think that's the first time as a player we've ever run from a fight.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not really in the DNA of d yeah. players who want to sort of go in <clears throat> metaphorical guns blazing, yeah. literal sword swinging to sort of cleave the monsters apart. Like, that's sort of what you're there to do, really, in a lot of yeah. cases. But um, in that instance, you were sort of forced to make a run for it. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of... I think uh, it's going to open up, of course, as it goes along. Yeah, yeah. But that kind of session is quite
0: intense when everything feels like it's against you and on top exactly. of you.
1: Um, any more thoughts on that? Um, no, I think it,
0: it is completely down to the players. Hmm. And well, it's a combination of the players and the DM and how willing yeah. you long how long you're willing to go on for
1: and how much time you free time you have. Yeah.
0: Exactly. If you've
1: got an hour and a half a week, use your hour and a half. Like I think it's. Regardless of what, perhaps you can't get too too much story, sort of story momentum going on in a week, like in an hour and a half. A week. Yeah, but you know, if you
0: finish an the if you finish a session and you're about to go into a battle, that can easily be the next.
1: Exactly, like it's, it's unfortunately a game where things that take days last an hour, and things that are meant to last five minutes last also an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, the combat. A two-minute combat can easily take up a whole session. if yeah. that's how you know. If it's complicated enough, um, yeah. If you've got an hour and a half, then use it. It's much better to play the game than not. I think. Definitely. Some of these questions are actually, I think we're going to have to answer them, sort in of in own session. Yeah, in more detail in later episodes. But I think we'll do one more, shall we say? Yes. Um. Tips for running a one-shot. What do you think about that? I think this is. A, I think one-shots are a great option if you yeah. can't get a regular group of people together. Yeah, you and really want to play the game. And it's
0: also a very good option if you do have a forever DM and they mm. want a chance to play. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That is f- ferociously, I am... viciously agreeing with
1: me. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yes, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I am. I. Was a DM before I was ever a player, Yeah, really, because we, a sort of group of four of us, decided we wanted to play the game, uh, and as the sort of instigator of the whole thing, I sort of felt the the need to be the DM, and I, I love DMing, I really, really do, um, but I have DM'd how many sessions do you reckon? Uh, oh, we've only been playing for two and a bit years, yeah. but... How many sessions do you reckon? Thirty, maybe more. Probably, but yeah, I'd say around maybe, thirty, maybe more. And I've played maybe four, style. four or five, something like okay. that. <laughs> which is so, which is sort of the wrong way around, really. Ideally, you want to play you play as a player for a while and then get into DMing. But actually, um, a few members of our group have shown a lot of interest in DMing, and we've got a few one shots played and lined up yep. for people to DM.
0: But yeah, I think running a one shot, it's clear to have. The end goal. Um, normally in D&D you try not to railroad your players, but mm, in a one, one shot, shot yeah. it's kind of almost necessary. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, <clears throat> um, but I suppose tips for one shots you have the beautiful ability to not have to link any sessions together. You can have a little pocket universe that doesn't make any sense compared to anything else um, and just let your players loosen out. I think it, it's good to have a sort of beginning, middle and end, not necessarily planned, but know where your players start and know where they're meant to end. So, you know, you've probably got a limited amount of time. Maybe you want to, do a bit of nudging towards wherever the players are meant yeah. to go, but make sure you have a decent... I think a decent villain is key for both the long campaign and a, sh- and a one-shot. Yeah. Um, uh, I think also the key to running any game, but especially one-shots, is what kind of game do your players want to play? Exactly. Um, like, do your players want to hack and slash through large numbers of zombies in which case you can do that that'd be great fun or do your players almost want to be put in an escape room you know you can completely and feasibly do that within um within the game if you want if they want a really puzzle heavy game then put some puzzles in it don't feel the need for it to make narrative sense i know that's a trap that i fall into um sort of feeling the need to sort of weave everything together as like a big story. that's sort of the Matt Mercer effect that I think we'll talk about in a later episode, um, which may or may not be a good thing. But um, the beauty of a one shot is it doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't need to slot into anything else. Just go. The best, the the best advice I can give to someone who wants to run a one shot is do it. If you do if you have an extensive plan, if you don't have an extensive plan, if you've got a good villain, if you don't have a good villain, just make fun characters and go have fun.
0: Which is pretty, you know. Yeah, Maybe a dissatisfying answer. Well, the key, the key to the game is to have fun. If you're yeah, not exactly. having fun, something's gone wrong. Yeah, definitely.
1: That's the end of our first episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. I apologise immediately for any acoustic differences you're hearing. We were recording this a couple of days after we recorded the original because our original sign-off didn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> Grammatically. Phonetically. Phonetically. You no. know numerically i don't know (laughs) it didn't make any sense so um we thought we'd do it again special thanks to foil for the use of our theme song bleach from their ep like a man our cover art for this episode was produced by me we have something better in the pipeline and hopefully it should be with us as soon as our extensive team can get it finished we have a Twitter at at DMMePodcast. That's at DMMe... <laughs> I, knew, I knew I'd screw it up. I knew I'd screw it up. D-M-M-E podcast And an email, which is DMMePodcast at gmail.com. I've been Zav. And I've been Dan. And don't forget, if you think of any more questions before we speak again, make sure to DM me.
0: Bye. Bye.